Well, this is my second time uh, to join uh, you here at CTK Ferndale. It's an honor and a privilege for me. And um, the first time went really well, and the second time is uh, to be determined, I guess. Uh, I've, had a, I've had the wonderful privilege of getting to know your pastor. Uh, really, I've known him for five years, but I've really got to know him well over the last year. We've been in a discipleship group together. We've been... Uh, encouraging each other, challenging each other in our journey with Christ, praying for each other, for our families, for our church families, and uh, you have an incredibly wonderful uh, man as your pastor, so it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you guys. Um, What's great about uh, my friendship with Rich is we both kind of know that we're just regular dudes, busted up, don't have it all together dudes that for some reason, Jesus has chosen and invited us to participate with him, his church, in, uh, in this specific way, his purpose and mission on the earth. And this really is what we've been talking about in our summer sermon series, that God uses people just like you and just like me, uh, don't have it all together, busted up, jacked up, ordinary people to accomplish his mission on the earth. And he chooses us not because we're extraordinary, but because he is. Uh, And in Hebrews 11, which is famously called the Hall of Faith, it outlines how the fathers and mothers of our faith received honor, not because they trusted in themselves or their own ability, but because they placed what little trust, what little faith they had in God, and God did incredible things through them. And today, we're going to hone in on the life of Moses. In Exodus chapter 1, It says that there arose a Pharaoh over Egypt that did not know Joseph. And if you know the story of Joseph, God did incredible things through him, through his life. But at this this time, when Moses' story picks up, the Pharaoh over Egypt, the ruler of the known world, did not know or did not remember what God had done through the life of Joseph. There was no recollection of Joseph or what God had done through him. And the Israelites... At the time, they're growing in number, and Pharaoh is, is terrified that the Israelites are going to become so large in number that they eventually overthrow his rule, his throne. So Pharaoh increases their workload, essentially enslaves them. This goes on for 400 years, uh, and he issues a decree that midwives take uh, whatever baby boys are born and kill them so that they wouldn't grow to be strong men that would lead a revolt against Egypt. But what's interesting is scripture tells us that some of the midwives didn't follow the decree because they cared more about what God thought than they did about what Pharaoh thought. They feared God more than they feared man. And so Moses doesn't die. Moses lives. One thing you need to know is is we have an enemy who is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He is after any kind of death he can get into us, spiritually, emotionally, physically. He is after any kind of death he can get into us. And what we see in the life of Moses is that that from the very beginning, God protected him. But what's fascinating about Moses' story is we look at Moses and we see him exercising incredible faith uh, later on in his life. But really, Moses isn't the most responsible one for all that God did through Moses. It's really interesting. 
it was Moses' mother's act of faith that was the launching point for how God eventually used Moses. Imagine this. So this, this midwife fears God. Mom takes her newborn baby boy. Can you imagine this? Putting him in a little basket that floats and pushing him out onto the Nile River, having no idea how long he would survive. Can you imagine making that decision and completely letting go, having no idea what will happen to him, having no idea if he'll make it even 10 minutes down the river. You have no idea what's going to happen, and she trusts God completely with her son and releases control and lets go. God in his providence causes compassion to rise up in one of the Egyptian women in Pharaoh's household. She sees this little boy floating down the river, and she says, let's rescue this poor little boy. And eventually says, hey, we need, we need somebody to take care of him. Hey, you, would you take care of this little boy? Guess who it was? The mother of Moses. See, what's interesting is she let go of her son with absolutely no guarantee that he would survive or that she would ever see him again. And God, in his providence, she lets go. God brings him back to her. Here's a question as we get into today's message. What is it? in your life that you are terrified to let go of? What is it in your life that you are terrified to completely trust God with? What is it in your life that you're most tempted to grab onto, to take control of, to take the reins and steer it the way you think it ought to go? What is it that you're most tempted to to control and manipulate for your own advantage what are you terrified to trust God with because that might be the thing that God is inviting you to let go of to give it up and the thing is there is no promise that we'll ever see it again or that it will work out the way we think it ought to there is no guarantee but in this case God gives her little boy back to her to raise in Pharaoh's household in the palace with the greatest resources the greatest education the world had to offer at the time that's Moses that's his life that's the beginning of his journey and the, the name Moses, it literally means to draw out. So Moses was drawn out of the Nile River. Eventually, God drew him out of Egypt. Uh, and Moses eventually encounters God, has a conversation with God, and God calls to him. He had a calling on his life. And God has a call on your life. God has a calling for your life. The first call, the primary call on your life is that you would actually know God that you would actually have an intimate relationship with him. God, God's call on your life is first to know him, but then his call on your life is that you would actually do something, that you would live out your faith in the world. Know him and live out your faith in the world. It was almost five years ago, uh, my wife and I felt like God might be inviting us to plant a church. Uh, I was working in business in Pittsburgh at the time, and we just had this sense that maybe God wanted us to do something. So here was our big, bold, faith-filled prayer. Okay, you ready for this one? God, this was it. We're kind of slow. So if you want us to do something somewhere, could you make it obvious? Amen. That's it. 
that was our faith-filled prayer. That was all we had. And, and, uh, and what's interesting is God didn't show up to me in a burning bush. He didn't speak audibly from heaven and say, Rob, I want you to go plant a church in Bellingham, Washington. Uh, it wasn't supernatural, even though there was some supernatural elements. It was natural. It was a, a phone call from a guy who knew somebody who knew somebody else that knew that we were praying about planting a church, and there was a connection that was made, and we started exploring this relationship with Christ the King, and uh, and the rest is history. In 2012, we moved our family from the East Coast to the Pacific Northwest to start a church in Bellingham, Washington, and we've been here for five years. But here's the fascinating thing. If we hadn't prayed that simple little, like, God, is there something you want us to do? Please make it obvious. We don't want to miss it. If we hadn't been paying attention, if we hadn't been praying that prayer, we might have totally missed out on what God had for us, for our family, for our marriage, for the church we now get to pastor in downtown Bellingham. See, God's call is that you would know him, but God has something for you to do. And maybe isn't, it isn't planting a church. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not starting a business. Maybe it is. Maybe it's something that God wants you to do in your neighborhood. It could be big. It could be small. It could be, mean professionally. It could mean a hobby that you participate. It could be anything. But what is God calling you and inviting you to be a part of? And are you praying those prayers? God, what, what is it that you want to be on my radar? What do you want me to do? with the life that you've given me, with what you've entrusted to me. It's beyond just something you believe. It's something that you live out, right? Faith isn't just something you profess or some beliefs that you hold. Faith results in doing. James says this clearly. Faith without works is dead, right? Faith results in action. It isn't just something you profess with your mouth. It's something you express through your life. And God shows up to Moses in a burning bush. And in doing this, God is saying, Moses, listen, I want you to know me. I, I want to reveal something to you about who I am. And I have something that I want you to do. I want you to know and experience my love, my life for you so that you can go share that with the world. Because I've got something big for you to do. And our story picks up in Exodus chapter 3. Moses, uh, uh, God says through, through the burning bush, then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. What's interesting is when Isaiah is in God's presence, he says, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, right? When, when Jesus tells Peter to pull up the fish on the side of the boat and he pulls up so many fish that the boat starts sinking, Peter falls on his knees and he says, I'm not worthy to be in your presence, to be in the presence of somebody so holy. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And God shows up to Moses and Moses is terrified. Because Moses is, is in the presence of a holy God, an all-powerful, perfectly pure, holy God. And he knows that he's just a flawed, broken, jacked-up dude that's in the presence of a holy God. And what's interesting, this would probably terrify most of us, 
He's having a conversation with a bush that's on fire that's talking to him. Right? He's having a conversation with a bush that isn't being consumed. I mean, that would be, uh, just that alone, you'd probably be thinking, okay, am I losing my mind here? Am I hallucinating? Did I eat some bad mushrooms back at camp? Like, what is going on? And, and the wonderful thing about God is God isn't just holy. He, just, he doesn't just terrify Moses and, and leave it at that. He isn't just holy. He is compassionate. Exodus 3, 7 through 8. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I'm not indifferent to the suffering of people. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a metaphor for abundance. It's not just what you need, it's what you want. It's beyond what you need. Um, And you may have noticed this pattern in the Bible. But God, when he shows up to somebody and he has something for them to do, he says, essentially, this is who I am. Know me. This is who you are. This is your identity that's rooted in me and who I am. Now go and do this. This is who I am. This is who you are. Now go and do this. Trust me and go and do this thing. This is what God has done all throughout Scripture. This is what God has done in my own life. And this is what God wants to do in your life. But what you need to know is that anytime God places a call on your life, you are going to have questions. (laughs) You're going to have some reservations, some objections, right? Uh, and some people would tell you, no, you just need to ignore your doubts and trudge forward anyway. Just ignore your questions and trudge forward anyway. But that, that's not actually what happens in Scripture. Anytime God places a call on somebody's life, they wrestle. They ask questions. They have doubts. They're insecure. They're not sure how it's going to work out. And we see this in the life of Moses, Exodus 3.11. Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. (laughs) Who am I, God? I'm just a shepherd. I'm just, I live in the wilderness. I've been doing this for a long time. How in the world am I supposed to go talk to the ruler of the known world and say, let all these people go? How in the world do you want me to do this? Right? Who am I, God? I murdered an Egyptian man and fled like a coward into the wilderness where I've been living ever since. If I go back there, what are they going to do to me? Who am I, God? I'm a nobody. I don't have spectacular talents. I don't have any spectacular gifts. I'm not wealthy. I'm not special. And if you, God, if you really knew my issues, my problems, my dysfunction, you wouldn't be asking me to do this thing. You realize one of your biggest temptations in life is to dismiss what God would do through your life if you were simply willing to walk forward in faith. To dismiss the gifts, the talents, the experience that God has given you already. To write it off and say, no, God would never do something like that through me. But look at this. Look at the gentleness and compassion of God. Exodus 3.12. He said, Moses, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. But, but God, I'm a nobody. But I'll be with you. 
But God, I, I'm not qualified for this. It's too scary, but I'll be with you. God, I can't do this. I don't have the knowledge, the experience, the skill set. I can't do this. It's too much. It's too big, but I'll be with you. See, God knows that we will come up with every excuse imaginable not to do the thing he's called us to do, to, to, to dismiss the calling he's placed on our lives. And God even gives Moses, this is fascinating, he gives him several different miracles right in front of his eyes, right, as he's calling him to participate with him in his mission on the earth. And, and Moses' response after the miracles, right, there's the burning bush that's speaking to him, not being consumed, like that's a miracle. The, the staff turning into a snake and back into a staff. And after all of that, all, of God, all that God did to reveal himself to Moses, Moses, even a chapter later in Scripture, is still arguing with God about the calling that God has on his life. Exodus 4.10, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. God is great in all that, um, you know, you, you want to free our, our people, free the Israelites from uh, Egypt, but um, you've got the wrong guy. Like, you want me, a guy who stutters, I can't even speak right. And the job that you're asking me to do is to go to the ruler of the known world and speak. This is a terrible idea. There are a billion far more qualified people in the world. Go pick one of them. Like, you've got the wrong guy. You're, this is my weakness. The very thing you're calling me to do is the thing that is my greatest weakness. This is a bad idea. And many of us would say, you know what, okay, if God showed up to me like he did to Moses, I would have no problem obeying him. If God gave me some miracles and just spoke to me through a flaming bush, then I would do what God told me to do. And the truth is, no, you wouldn't. Do you have more faith than Moses? Right? You wouldn't, and neither would I. And look, Moses, the Lord said to him in uh, Exodus 4.11, he just removes all of his excuses. I love this. He goes, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go. And not only will I be with you, I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. Like, all the excuses are gone. He's got nothing left. Like, there's some divine puppeteering stuff going on here. Like, God is going to just give him the words, make him speak. You know, he's going to, and you're looking at this saying, okay, Moses, come on, bro. Like, buck up. Let's do this thing. Let's go. Like, even if it's a little bit reluctant, like, okay, oh, fine. You win, God. I'll do what you want me to do. Look at this, even after all this, Exodus 4.13. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Like, you just pick somebody else. You painted me in a corner, fine. I'm done making excuses. I just don't want to do it. Like, I just don't want to do this. But doesn't it make sense? Isn't it just like God to choose somebody to do something that they could never do on their own? To do something that only God could do through them? Doesn't it make sense that God would choose you to do something with him that you could never do on your own? 
Doesn't it make sense that God would choose you and your weakness, and he would use that as a strength in his kingdom? That's how God operates. This is what God does. Right? God says, listen to me, to, to Moses and to us. He says, this isn't about you. Stop making it about you and what you can or cannot do. This is about me and what I can do through anybody that's willing. Anybody that's willing to obey, to walk forward in faith and trust me. See, in, in some Christian circles, we set up the fathers and mothers of our faith as these people with just rock-solid faith, incredible faith, heroes of the faith, these incredible people that God used to do incredible things. And what's interesting is when you set these people on a pedestal, you recognize when you actually read their stories, there's nothing spectacular about these people. They're normal, ordinary, broken people just like us. And in almost every case, they have to be convinced to exercise what little faith they have. And God uses that little faith to change the world, to change history. Right? Can you imagine if Moses had continued to refuse God's invitation and, and continued to refuse to allow God to use him in these incredible ways? What if he disobeyed? What if he continued making excuses? See, Moses... He never would have seen the parting of the sea. He never would have seen the Israelites freed from slavery. He never would have been able to participate with God in, uh, on top of the mountain in the fire and the smoke and having that intimate friendship with God. He never would have known God in that way had he disobeyed and continued to make excuses and dismiss the calling that God had on his life. He never would have known the incredible joy of seeing God compassionately and gently provide for millions of people as they wander through the wilderness. He, he never would have known God the way that he did had he disobeyed, had he said no. And listen, Moses was a murderer. He was a broken man with a reluctant faith who came up with every excuse not to do the thing that God was inviting him to do. And, and eventually when he did exercise what little faith he had, God used him to change the world. Think. What if you stopped making excuses for doing the thing that you know God has called you to do? What if you stopped dismissing your gifts, your talents, what God has built into you, hardwired into you, and gifted you with by his spirit? What if you stopped dismissing what God could do through your life and you actually opened up your hands and said, God, whatever it is you have for me, don't let me miss it. Help me obey you. Help me trust you. What would change in your life if you actually began to pray those sorts of prayers and began walking forward with him in those ways? Listen, when we moved here to start this church, here were Rob's thoughts, okay? Um, why would anybody care what I have to say? Why would anybody allow me to be their pastor. I left my last pastoral position. I had been to seminary. I was still going through college. Now I'm going to move as a Pittsburgh East Coast Steelers fan to the Pacific Northwest where Seattle Seahawks, I know I'm, I'm in bad territory right now. No, why would anybody care what I have to say? And the thing that continued to give Misty and I courage was this thought and this idea that really comes out of the life of Moses. It's not about you. 
it's not about you and what you can do. It's about what I can do through anybody that's willing. Are you willing? And with that, we said, okay, we can go. We can go, we can move, we can trust, because God has proven himself faithful to us over and over and over and over again. Listen, the burning bush, do you realize the beauty of this picture? This is the invitation that God has for us. I, I love the fact that it's not some glorious tree or some beautiful flower, right? It's a plain, simple, old little shrubbery, right? And do you know why it got Moses' attention? It wasn't because there was something fascinating about the bush. It was because something glorious was emanating from something plain. Something beautiful was emanating from something ordinary. Right? This is the, the new covenant in Exodus chapter 3. That God, his life, his spirit, his fire would come and live inside of us. Something plain, something ordinary. That his spirit would come and live in us and make us new. And the warmth and light of God would emanate through us and provide light and warmth to a dark and cold world. This is the new covenant in Exodus chapter 3. Jesus makes his home in broken people. He makes his home in us. And when you've encountered Jesus Christ, given your life and surrender to him, you become a burning bush. You become something plain that is filled with the glory and beauty and power of God. Isn't that beautiful? Right? This is God's invitation to us. And all of a sudden, people look at us and they say, okay, You've got something different about you. I don't know what it is, but I want to know what it is. What do you have that I don't have? Right? If you have Jesus Christ, you have an absolutely holy God and an absolutely loving God living in you. He is so holy that he had to die for you, but he's so loving that he was glad to die for you. Right? This, this is the life of God, and when you have that God living in you, it transforms you, it changes you forever, and you yourself become a burning bush you become inexplicable and beautiful at the same time to those near you and they wonder what's going on in your life listen if you don't have god my prayer for you is that you would begin to see the beauty of god in the world and other people and you begin to ask questions what do you have what is it about you you begin to press into that and ask questions and if you have jesus christ here are three questions that I would invite you to reflect on, not just today. These are questions you can reflect on for the rest of your life, but start with today. Here's the question out of the story of Moses. What is one thing, just one thing, could be big, could be small, what is one thing that you have sensed God calling you to do? It could be vocational. It could be uh, even just your neighborhood, loving your neighbors. It could be something in the workplace. What is God's call on your life? It could have to do with ministry. I don't know. Pray. Begin asking God, what is one thing you sense or have sensed God calling you to do? The second question is this. What excuses are you using to dismiss this calling? What excuses are you using to not do the thing that you have sensed God calling you to do? 
And how is God, third question, how is God responding to those excuses? What is he saying to you? What do you sense him speaking to you? And the last question, fourth question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Right? What, what are you going to do in response to God's invitation? Look at all that God did through Moses, his legacy of faith surrounding an incredibly flawed man. In Hebrews 11, it keeps saying, Moses by faith, Moses by faith, Moses by faith, Moses by faith. And we see him over and over again exercising what little faith he had. And here's, I'll close with this. When your kids, your grandkids, when your relatives, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers look back on your life, will they say, look at their faith. Look at his faith. Look at her faith. Look at all that they did with God. Against all odds, by faith, look at what they accomplished. Look at what God did through them to impact the community, to impact the neighborhood, to impact Ferndale. Look at how it was transformed. Look at how it was changed because they exercised what little faith they had. What will they say? Because the truth is, they're going to say something. They're going to say something. And with God's invitation, God's calling on your life, just like he had a calling on Moses' life, God is inviting you to participate with him, and you get to decide with God what they say. Will you trust God, walk forward with open hands, and exercise what little faith God has given you, and trust him for big things in your family, in your marriage, in your kids, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your church? Will you trust him and walk forward by faith? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible, massive invitation to participate with you in your life, your mission, and the world. God, we are so grateful that you make your home in broken vessels. You choose ordinary, plain people, just like me, just like us, and you do extraordinary things if we're just willing to trust and to walk forward with you. God, I pray for uh, all of us today that we would hear from you specifically on what it is in this season of life, what it is that you are calling us to do, inviting us to be a part of, whether it's something in the church or reaching our neighborhoods or reaching those who don't yet know you or serving somebody in the workplace or uh, even the political sphere. God, would you just speak clearly to us about what it is that you would have us do in the world? Would you help us to trust you with what little faith we have? We know that you're good. We know that you're in control. And we surrender all of this into your hands. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.